Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Drama Free Podcast. Save the drama for your mama. What's going on, Drama Free Beer Land? As always, co-host Chad Stevens here on the line. We've got uh, Joey Hamilton and um, Chris Butler will be along shortly. We have a very, very special uh, episode here tonight. Uh, as you know, we've been working towards uh, more appointed content and uh, having people, um, having brewers from around our uh, group and from around the country uh, call in and and talk with us and uh tonight we have a as advertised we have a very special guest we have jeff hardesty from um narrow gauge brewing company and fluorescent i think i pronounced that right jeff uh fluorescent missouri um, you all, uh, yeah I, I, you all don't really need a uh intro uh, you all have probably had something from them um very very awesome brewery putting out some good stuff um jeff how you doing, man? How's uh how's business? I can't complain too much. <laughs> Just busy. All right. Well, as always, this is a beer podcast. Um, are you drinking anything at the moment? Uh, unfortunately not, but I'm close enough to a fridge to grab a beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a uh, that is a uh, requisite of a beer podcast. Got to have a beer in hand and. Uh, I do believe we just got joined from Chris. Um, Joey, we'll start with you. Joey, what do you what do you got in your glass? I am uh, I'm drinking. It's called beet. It's called beach. It's a session ale with orange zest that came from Carton. Um, actually, Mr. Aspara sent this to me uh, earlier this week, and he told me this is the first one that I had to drink because it might be a little old, but should be fine. And I looked at the bottom of the can, and it was. Can the first week of August, um, so it's uh, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's, a, it's a probably a little, a little faded, to be honest with you, but it's not bad at all. Not bad at all. How about you, Chad? What are you drinking? I'm drinking a double indemnity, double IPA from Legal Remedy Brewing Company. Uh, Kevin Reed uh, sent that to me in my box today from a. Barrel culture. He'd been promised me some stuff, so I'm looking forward to try it. Uh, just poured it, and uh, I'm gonna say I'm pretty impressed by how it's pouring so far. Um, Chris, what you drinking, man? Yes, sir. Well, I just got a box from Jamie, and I am drinking uh, Oddside Diggity Dank Juice. Well, I'm getting ready to. I'm cracking it right this second, actually. Mm-hmm. That's a crack. You know how it is. Yeah, that's a crack. <laughs> smells delicious. All right, and Jeff, um, I, I believe you might have uh, gotten a beer now since you were close enough. Well, what did you decide on? 
Yeah, I managed to grab what was closest to me in the fridge, which is a King Fallen Flag, so I'm drinking one of my own beers. (laughs) Nice. You can't go wrong with that. I went ahead and opened, so hopefully you guys heard it. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. So, Jeff, uh, we have a a list of questions here, and uh, we're going to talk about some topics that people, you know, in our group, we, uh, and on our, our, podcast page, we solicit questions from our listeners, and um, um, we do have a list of discussion topics, so you're welcome to chime in, and we will definitely, uh, there's going to be a section where we're going to, uh, you know, talk to you and, you know, ask some questions and have you kind of, uh, you know, go with the flow here. So, uh, Joey? Yeah, we can start this off, I think. It looks like... uh... Our first question of the night comes in from Mr. Robert Westgate, and uh, he's asking, um, you know, what, what do you, what is your, what's typically your response when you see that you've got a, you got a buddy who's trading some beer, but it happens to be some beer that you traded to him. Um, so essentially, kind of like regifting, I guess. Um, so I'm going to ship this over to Butler real quick to see maybe if he's got some thoughts on uh, what happens if he ever sees a buddy of his trade some some beer that he sent him. Um, yeah, I have. And honestly, yeah, it might be a little disrespectful, but my take on it is this. Once I've sent the beer to somebody, obviously my first intention is for them to drink it, but it's no longer mine. I'm not giving things, I'm not giving gifts with um, like little caveats attached to them and, and notes that they must do such and such with it. Unless it's, a, you know, like a silly beer and must chug like a horn swoggle or something like that that somebody sent me. Um so I've, I've actually forwarded a beer on one time, but it was out of the goodness of my heart. Uh, after the Cubs won the World Series, I drank my only Fufon. Nicola Plant sent me a Fufon to replace it. And then Christopher Tamayo uh, asked if I knew anybody who had any or was willing to trade some to have uh, at the birth of his daughter. Um, I tried to find somebody else with it because I didn't want to give mine up. But at the end of the day, I ended up just sending in mine. Um, but I, you know, I checked with Nick first. He said, dude, it's your beer that you want with it. Um, and anyway, so all that to say is, yeah, it might look a little disrespectful. It might look a little, um, I don't know. You might take, some people might take offense to it, but my thing is that I sent somebody a beer with the intention of them drinking it, but I also sent it to them to have. So it's at that point up to their discretion what they want to do with it. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, Chad, do you have a uh, particular stance on the topic? Uh, yeah, you know, we uh, – I haven't really had it happen to me, but I know that it, it's widespread and, and, you know, people frown upon that. I, I, I send beer with the uh, – again, like Chris and pro, probably pretty much everybody here – with your intention to share it or drink it. Um, I've never, though, in it, at any time have had somebody – you know, with my knowledge, sell a beer that I've sent them. You know, we all send whales. We all send pretty, you know, highly sought-after beers. And, um, you know, that's pretty frowned upon in the beer community. And, you know, that's terms for uh, shunning and, and deletion and, and whatnot. But, you know, I I don't I don't think it's ever right. I sent you a beer. Now, it, granted, if I send you a barley wine and you despise barley wines, reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I don't like barley wine. You sent me a barley wine. 
you know, I'm probably going to say, okay, well, I'll replace that and go ahead and, you know, don't trade it, but maybe send it on to somebody else that might enjoy it, but don't trade it for another beer and just use it to flip or anything like that. Um, never in that case is that, that acceptable. And that's terms for me to never talk to you again and, and, you know, really get a bad reputation in the beer community. I can, I can certainly understand that. I can't imagine that anyone in our little group would want to, would pass on some barley wine because it is actually life. So (laughs) I think, I think, I think for me, um, you know, I haven't seen it personally, but it, it has happened a couple times. And I think that this specific question is spurned from something else that's happened within a group this week. Um, but I would think that if, if I had a buddy of mine or one of our an acquaintance, if you were somebody in group that was trying to, you know, get a certain beer from me and I was able to either track it down or had it in my, had it at my disposal and sent it over to them and then found, let's say a few days later that they were trying to package it up with a couple other beers to flip it for something uh, perhaps a little bit more highly sought after. I mean, I think that'd be kind of be kind of shady in all sincerity. I think that if you know if your your end intention is to package a you know a bottle up and and with a couple other and flip it for something else, I mean, just kind of disclose that. Um, I, would, I think I think I would be a little bit hurt about that. Um, right. I mean. So is that it, good? Good, Jed. And mistakes might happen. You know, I mean we get a lot of beer from each other in our group and in, in, in our, in the trading, you know, when we trade with each other, you know, it, it, it does happen where I, you know, I might, or you might get a beer and it just, you're just never going to get to it. And you happen to throw that in to sweeten the box, but you know, that's okay. But if you're, you know, taking this beer and, you know, I'm going, I want Joey, Joey, send me a media noche. And then the first thing I do with it is I throw it on the trade boards. No, absolutely not. Um, Chris, you had some follow-up. Uh, yeah, so a while back when you mentioned uh, sending barley wine to someone who doesn't like barley wine, I sent Daniel Vick um, some American Solaire, and he doesn't like sours. So the best way we went, he, he offered to send them back to me, and I said, no, let's just do a biff with it. Let's do a combined biff, and that's what we do with those. Um, I think the only time I would actually be upset is if I sent somebody some beer, and then I saw them selling it, because... You know, that's a little bit different. If they were trying to trade it for something else, you know, again, I go back to my original point. It's their beer. I sent it to them. It's theirs. But if I saw them selling it after I sent it to them, um, I would be, I would be a little bit, uh, I'd be a little bit upset with that. That one, that one might hurt my feelings a little bit. Yeah, that's um, that's actually a fantastic point, Chris. Because I think even though that I think uh, Mr. Westgate kind of brought this to our attention to talk about this week, um, I think one, one of the spurs was a was a post that I made earlier in the week that we had a uh, now former member that um, had either asked for specifically or or at least received bottles by a trade from a couple of admins and was selling them um, on another site. So uh, that that individual member has been. Um, well, let's just say he's he's been shown the door. That's not really how we roll. So if we've um, if we've if we've essentially taxed this topic, I can take a few moments to start addressing um, the handful of new members that we have this week, and then once we get through that, we can start focusing on uh, on Mr. Jeff Hardesty here. Is that all right with you guys? Wonderful. Absolutely. Actually, it's actually a significantly shorter list this week than last week, and we actually have um, two. Two of the new additions are actually two familiar faces. Um, it's always interesting to see people that kind of um, fall out of group and then eventually find their way right back in. Um, 
So in, in no particular order, we've got the, the recent additions being Tyler Edwards, Allison Lee, Matt Dombrowski, Tony Bacicchio. I bet you I butchered the hell out of that. Uh, John Anthony, Mike Geller. And as a quick note about Mike Geller, he is the head brewer at Three Threes. Um, we've got Josh Bell and also Alan Rogers. So it looks like that is our list for this week. So let's focus on uh, on Jeff. Let's put the let's put the uh, you know shine the light on him. Um, so Jeff, if, if you have anything specific to the previous topics, um, would you like to address those? I mean, maybe to kind of correlate it to um, you know, it's perhaps your perspective or prerogative. Do you have any uh, specific thoughts? Um, or feelings about people that are, you know, let's say one trading your beer, or, or I guess perhaps secondarily putting, you know, putting that stuff up and, and selling it on secondary sites for a higher value than what you guys may sell there at the brewery. Sure. Um, no, I think trading in general for the craft beer world is a great thing. I mean, it's it's a good reason we we actually get to make the amount of beer that we get to make is I know a fair amount of it gets sent around, uh, which is awesome. So I absolutely love that people trade beer and it's actually a hobby. It's something I did for a long time. I still do it occasionally. Um, not near as much as I used to because, um, I just don't really, uh, chase too much stuff anymore. I mean, I, I have a lot of people share stuff with me or I have buddies that will get together and op- open bottles and, Usually I get to try what I want to try. Um, as far as like selling on secondary, that's uh, that's something that's never really bothered me. It's, um, I guess to a point. So as long as you're not making it your full-time job where I'm going to go stand in line and sell all this beer online to pay for something that's not beer-related. So like if somebody's selling beer to buy other beer because it's easier to do than trade. Like, none of none of that really bothers me. I know some brewers or brewery owners feel um, completely opposite of what I feel, but I don't know. It's kind of, once you buy the beer from us, it's your beer. I mean, do with it what you want. Uh, I can appreciate that and certainly appreciate your honesty. Um, maybe we can uh, take the take the dialogue and change it to uh, maybe giving you a chance to, you know, tell us a little bit to tell our our listeners, I guess, a little bit about, you know, the philosophy at at Narrow Gauge, a little bit about kind of, you know, what you're doing, what you guys are about in case we have a few few listeners who don't know too much about you. Um, you Kind of just, you know, give us that that elevator speech, if you will. Sure. Um, So uh, let's see. We, uh, my two business partners, which now are, uh, there's actually four of us, but, uh, when we first sat down and started discussing brewery planning, um, it's probably been like four years ago when we initially started talking. Um, so it kind of spurred off from a conversation my wife and I had about opening a uh, brewery somewhere in rural Missouri, which is absolutely not what we did because we realized no bank was ever going to give us a loan that we would have needed for it. Um, so I eventually met Ben and Dave. Uh, which are two of my business partners, uh, and they actually own the restaurant that we're in. Um, They're part owners in the restaurant that uh, the brewery is located in. So uh, I met them through beer events, beer festivals. I had some of my homebrew at the time at some of these festivals, and that's kind of what kicked off our initial discussions of brewery. Um, And from there, it it took us some while to get some funding together and kind of get our plan in place and, uh, 
finally order equipment and get it in. So uh, once we started talking, it was probably about a year and a half process from there before we were brewing. Um, but uh, we're kind of a unique setup being we're in an existing restaurant. So uh, what we actually did was converted a banquet space into the brewing space. Um, so we actually brew out of a basement, uh, which isn't preferable. Uh, if if I knew what it was going to turn into and how busy we were going to be quick, I probably would have done it a little different. But of in the course, same token, I kind of like that we're unique in the sense that we're in a basement. So it's always fun to take people down there uh, because a lot of people think basement is going to be real small. There's not going to be much room. Um, but we have about yeah. 1,700 square foot um, area that we wow. have barrels aging in and where all our production uh, brew houses and uh, our fermenters and whatnot. So uh, we, we definitely utilize our space as best as we can. It's pretty much not much footprint on the floor that's not covered with something, whether it's packaging or barrels or, or fermenters. Um, but um, let's see, I kind of went off on a tangent. <laughs> but, no, no, uh, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Yep. So uh, when we first started, we started with two fermenters. Um, so we, we had the capability to do about 300 barrels a year with those two fermenters uh, and about a month into opening, we saw the writing on the wall that that wasn't going to get us there. So um, we ordered an additional four fermenters, which tripled our capacity. So, um, And that's what we've been working off from then on out. So that was in November of 16 that we received those fermenters. Um, so that pushed us about 900 barrels a year. Uh, we kind of been working with that. We we started with growlers, uh, went to crowlers. Crowlers created more demand. They're easier to ship around, so we, we're seeing more go out. Uh, and we, we pretty much got to the point where uh, it wasn't feasible for us to, to do as many growler and crowler fills. We essentially had someone standing at the tap filling all day, every day. Um, yeah. So we... Let's see, it was in May last year we put in a purchase for a new six-barrel brew house and uh, some additional fermenters, four additional fermenters, two additional bright tanks, um, and that will actually increase our capacity to about 1,500 barrels. Uh, at the same time, we, nice. we purchased the canning line. So uh, the canning line has come in. We're still waiting on our additional equipment. So we're still working off the 900-barrel uh, range and we're we're essentially packaging three beers a week, mostly in the cans. Occasionally we'll do a one-off beer that's going into crowlers again or growlers. Uh, yeah. But that's kind of where we're at. Uh, our new equipment should be here hopefully within a month or so. So um, that'll actually give us the availability to push out five beers a week. Um, and some of those will probably be double batches. So instead of running out of cans in two days, we, we may actually have them until um, the next batch is ready or at least a week type situation. All right. It sounds like you guys have a lot going on. Um, I think maybe you can give us a little bit of insight into maybe a few of the beers that you're working on currently, whether it be something that's going to go on tap soon or, or something that might be making its way into, say, a can or something to go. And uh, if you want to give us that quick little brief, then I can uh, we can turn it over to uh, Mr. Butler, who looks like he may have a very specific question for you. Sure. Um, I guess uh, 
biggest one I can mention right now is Zavtrak. So it's an uh, imperial stat we do that's aged on uh, coconuts, vanilla beans, coffee, maple syrup, and cinnamon. So uh, okay. we've only done the beer <laughs> once before. Yeah. Um, and let's see, last year we released it in February, um, and it was Crowler, Crowler and Draft. Um, so there was the only time before that I poured it at a festival as homebrew. So it was a homebrew, but it was right after the brewery was announced. It was for the SCL Ops anniversary party. Um, and it created a, a decent amount of buzz behind the brewery as well as the beer. So um, that was a beer we received calls. When was it going to be on tap, even though we had never had to untap uh, at that point in time? Um, so when we released it, we didn't really know what to expect. Uh, and it ended up being... Uh, pretty crazy. I mean, we when we opened the doors, uh, we had like 270 people waiting outside. Uh, it's the only time wow. we've ever had really a line, so we didn't yeah. 100% realize, like, what the hell are we going to do? How are we going to manage this the line that we uh, have right now? So, uh, luckily, we got ahead of ourselves with filling crawlers, and uh, not there wasn't too much of a wait. I mean, it took us a little bit of time to get through the line, so... Uh, don't really know what to expect this year, if it's going to be the same type of turnout, but maybe it's going to be mellower. Um, I'm a preference of mellow just because it's less stressful on everyone. But uh, yeah. we, we're pretty much prepared for what we saw last year. So hopefully we overprepared and it's a good experience for everyone. <laughs> that's, that's one of the beers. Um, I guess the other one I would talk about, which is a relatively new beer, it's actually the beer I'm drinking right now, was King Fallen Flag. So um, essentially what this beer was uh, is an amped-up version of our flagship beer. So Fallen Flag is what I consider our flagship IPA. Um, so I do make a, a couple different variants of it. So there's a double dry hop version of it, and now King Fallen Flag, which is basically a double dry hop imperial uh ipa version of it so we just first released it for the first time a couple saturdays ago um and we we basically released it like we release every beer um not really expecting it to go super quick it may last a day or two and um we were kind of wrong with that and i think uh (laughs) some of the contribution that is side project had a release that weekend for our hands had madagascar released that weekend so i think there was a lot of out of town people so um we ended up selling through the six actually about five and a half barrel batch that we had in like an hour and 30 minutes hour and 40 minutes um so we didn't quite limit it like we should um so we could have extended it maybe an hour or so <laughs> but uh that's uh, another beer that's going to be more of a regular um, try and get in there occasionally so today I actually brewed another batch of it well it sounds fantastic I'm a little bit jealous I'm a little bit jealous I wish I could <laughs> wish I could wish I could find a way to get both of those items over here in a uh, good old Denver Colorado yeah <laughs> um, so I sir c- certainly appreciate the insight and I definitely understand the uh how hard it might be with those, some of those releases and you're not really expecting 270 people to wait on you so I know it can be yeah, tough. That one, also... uh... <laughs> yeah, that one we expected a little bit of people out there. We were expecting like 25 to 30, and uh, we got that instead. So, um, I mean, it's it's a great thing. The 
I mean, people wanting to come and line up and wait for your beer is, I don't know, I just take it as a huge compliment, uh, especially yeah, a beer we had never is. had before. Um, it, so it absolutely was, is. It was exciting, stressful, and overwhelming all at the same time. Yeah, heavy lies the crown, Jeff. Heavy lies the crown. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's, let's let Mr. Butler chime in real quick. I know he's got at least one question to run by you. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, yeah, so, uh, Jeff, we, we spoke on Friday night and, again, a little bit on Saturday before Frostfest. Uh, a couple things. Yep. I just wanted to compliment you. Um, in our Arkansas-specific beer group, um, post-Frostfest, it was a semi-unanimous decision that uh, Narrow Gauge was brewer of the festival as far as, like, beers, <laughs> uh, which was pretty outstanding considering you brought two beers. Um but yep. most of the people there, again, realizing that Arkansas is an infantile stage of craft beer, um, I would say 95% of the people had never heard of or had um, any narrow gauge before, uh, but not the elite 1% like us weirdos. <laughs> so um, congratulations on that. Um, no, thank you. Yeah, man. Um, so to that point, though, I was going to see, you know, with uh, – this weekend having just uh, passed and, and so soon in your rearview mirror, what did you think of the Arkansas beer scene as a, as a little baby? And, um, you know, were there any standouts uh, locally for you, uh, both people-wise, brewery-wise, beer-wise, anything like that? Just kind of get your take on, on that festival in general for, uh, for our market. Sure. Um, no, Fayetteville was awesome. I've, my, actually, my first time down uh, in Arkansas, um, but Fayetteville was a, a pretty cool town. Um, the festival was very well ran. I thought Fossil Cove did a, a great job with the brewers party the night before and the festival. Um, I, don't, I always uh, love going into a festival and being an unknown brewery because it, it, it makes it more intimate, so you're having people come up and having your beer for the first time. So uh, I always enjoy doing that. Um, the the crowd in Arkansas was very diverse. Um, for the most part, it seemed like most uh, most of the crowd was beer knowledgeable. They were actually there for to try all these different beers, but there were the occasional people that were there just to get drunk for thirty five bucks or whatever whatever the, the festival <laughs> costs. Uh, but you're going to get that at any festival. Um, but overall, I thought it was a great experience. Uh, it was it was awesome at the start of it. Uh, we we're relatively slow, and then um, we kept having people coming up and telling us that they were told to come over and try our beers. So um, I always hey, take that as me. a huge compliment. Uh, what's that? Said, hey, that was me telling them to go over there. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thanks for sending them all. <laughs> we finished up somewhat early, and I got to walk around a bit, but. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't really get to try too many beers while we were there. So, um, but uh, the night before, I did did get to have uh, some beers at the uh, beers reception. Very nice. Oh, was there, were there any standouts for you, uh, brewery or um, beers or anything like that? I'm trying to remember. So, um, <laughs> the Friday night there was, I think, the beer is called Boilermaker. Oh, from Nebraska. I think that's, yeah, so they weren't they weren't in Arkansas, but uh, one of the guys from Crane brought a couple crawlers, and uh, one mm-hmm. was a Berliner Weiss, I believe, and the other one was like a, a Northeast Milkshake style IPA, and I thought they were both 
Very well done. Um, I'm trying to think uh, some of the other ones that stood out. I'm terrible at paying attention oh, no. to beers sometimes. <laughs> That's fine. I was just curious about, uh, you know, just the general general thoughts that I can, you know, then take back to the group. I'll go, you know, I'll tell Ben. That, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'm with one brewery, but obviously I'm I'm a beer consumer first and foremost. So sure. you know, it's all all good information for me to be able to help improve the beer scene in Arkansas, which I've been working on for eight years, long before yep. some of these breweries were even conceived. So um, it's, a, it's a really important thing for me to help grow this scene. And any feedback, positive or negative, I always like take to heart and, and try to get it to the proper ears. So um, that definitely. Kind of I guess I guess the one I uh, should mention was uh, I had never really had any of the Ozark beers, so uh, I got to try mm. some of their beers, and they were great. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't have any of their beers at the festival, but the day before, I, see, we went mm-hmm. to, it was like a craft beer and coffee shop, blanking on the Onyx. name of it. Onyx. Um, no, I don't think that Pure, was it. Pearson? Uh, it's going to drive me nuts now, but uh <laughs> can't remember the name of it. It was in downtown Fayetteville. Uh, I was in downtown Fayetteville, so it was real close to um, where I guess JJ's is. Well, I guess there's multiple locations. That's what it looked like. Um, but anyways, I I had a couple of their beers. So I had their IPA, and then I also had a M. Uh, I think it was Amarillo Pale Ale. That was really good. So I am there. The I've I've seen talked about. Um, online, and I just have never had a chance to try their stuff, so um, I thought they were both really good beers. Awesome. Well, um, I'm glad you were able to make it down, um, and I will, uh, like I said, take uh, all those notes and uh, forward them to the proper, to the proper ears. Uh, I'll let Chad ask you a couple questions. I think he has a couple waiting in the wings for you now, too, man. Thanks for coming again. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Yeah, no problem. No, no problem at all. Yeah, Jeff, uh, just a couple questions here, you know, just of, uh, you know, from the brewery aspect or the brewer aspect and owner, um, you know, what is the thoughts? What do you, or what, what did you, what do you think, um, as you mentioned, there was a line for your beers. What did you think when you opened the doors, opened the blinds, and uh, there was a line for your beers? I mean, what, what ha- something had to have gone through your head. What was that? What was your thoughts there? Uh... My biggest thought was I really hope these people aren't disappointed in the beer, <laughs> truthfully. Um, like, I, it's, I've, I've been there. I've waited in line for beer. I've done that before. Um, and I always hope that it's worth the wait for the people. Um, so if they're, gonna, they're willing to wait outside from 9 a.m. to 11 when we open, I really hope they enjoy the beer. I hope they don't view it as... Oh, this was a waste of time. This beer isn't near as good as what I thought it should be, or I thought it was going to be better than it was. So uh, that's probably the biggest thing that weighs on my mind whenever I see an instance like that. Yeah, I, I bet that's you know definitely yeah, especially as a business owner, you know that you want to make sure you're putting out a good product. But you know that's a testament to your product though, and your brewery and your philosophies is people are willing to wait in line for your beer. I mean, going back to your, your time and you still are a consumer, 
um, you know, you're they're there for that reason, and you know that has to feel good. I mean, on your whole staff, on you, you know, you guys are putting out stuff that people are worth. They they have faith that what you're putting out and what you're going to release is you know the good stuff. So you know, I, I imagine that has to feel pretty good. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not a day I don't count uh, the blessings that we have as a brewery and. Uh, how we've gotten to grow like we've grown uh, in such a, a fantastic way where uh, we absolutely have the backing of the St. Louis beer community. They pick up for us. They come out and enjoy the product. They send it as extras and trades to get our name out. Uh, it's it's just absolutely amazing the, the support that we have received from the, the community here in St. Louis. Absolutely. And I, I do want to thank you again, like as Joe and Chris said, you know, thank you for joining us. This is awesome to be able to talk to, you know, a brewery that we've all enjoyed, the owner and the head brewer, um, you know, and speaking to that, um, how do you come up with the beer names? I mean, in the beer community, we've seen all sorts of crazy names and, you know, different, uh, you know, offensive to awesome to people actually just go after beer because of the name, um, you know, and, and you, you have, you know, a specific set of names that you like. How do you guys arrive at that beer name for your beers? Um, so it's kind of a joint effort. I mean, some of, some of the names I've come up with, some of the names, uh, some of the staff has come up with. So um, some of them actually have meanings behind them. So like Fallen Flag is actually the term for a railroad station that's no longer in use. So. Um, the original narrow gauge railroad station is still located in Florissant, um, so it's kind of a dedication to uh, that station, which actually, if you see the fallen flag artwork, that is the actual uh, station on it. So a beer like that has a very specific name for a specific reason. Um, a beer like Cloud City, not so much. It was just uh, kind of a play on the words of it being a hazy beer, um, and then I'm I'm kind of a movie buff to an extent, so we do have some uh, beer names that uh, reference the movies, such as Sparkle Motion, uh, which is a Donnie Darko reference, and mm-hmm. Join Us in Creating Excellence, which is a Requiem for a Dream uh, reference. So um, one of the biggest things I don't enjoy is naming beers, so <laughs> I usually uh, try and get some uh, feedback from uh, some of the the staff in the restaurant or uh, Jay that works with me and we just kind of come up with names. So we actually have a uh, whiteboard in the brewery that we write beer name ideas on. So there's, there's probably a list of 20 of them right now. So (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. Uh, Yeah. I I do enjoy, you know, hearing about the history of names too. It's, It's pretty cool to, uh, to understand how brewery, you know, I ask a lot of my brewer friends, you know, how they arrive at the names, and and it's pretty neat to see their inspiration because everybody get, uh, gets their inspiration from different places. Um, it, I'm going to ask you this next question, and it's not going to be about beer. This is a rite of passage for every member that joins our or every caller that joins our podcast. Uh, are you ready for that question, Jeff? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's, it's pretty simple. I want you, I want you to give me a yes or no. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, jeez. Um, I'd say no. Wrong. Oh man, another another <laughs> no. Yeah. 
Another no. <laughs> I don't know. That's a hard one. It's it's like a in between a sub and not. I was on the fence, <laughs> truthfully. All right. Well, I, nice. I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you indulging me there, Jeff. And uh, again, thank you for joining. Um, Joey has a couple questions for you as well. Joey. Sure. Uh, I, I appreciate the transition, Chad. I do. Um, so, Jeff, the the first I got like I say, like Chad said, two questions. The first one might be a little bit more difficult than the second. Um, I want to know, and I think maybe some of our uh, my, our listeners would be interested to know as well. Um, you know, you've, if you've been brewing for a while, and I know you guys are you guys are still growing a lot at Narrow Gauge, but do you ever find a time where you're brewing beers that you kind of don't want to brew so like maybe you're brewing because it's demand maybe you're brewing because it's the the hot and cool and and new thing to try versus brewing something that you want to brew maybe you want to brew an esb but you know that that's that shit's not going to sell so sure. you have to go back and do another do another new england ipa so what's your thoughts um i mean to me a brew day is a brew day so i'm getting to do what i love so um which is a lot of cleaning apparently but, uh, I mean, whether I'm making an IPA or a stout or a pilsner, um, I'm still, at the end of the day, doing the same basic fundamentals. So um, I'm still enjoying what I do, mainly because I get to see the, I guess, the enjoyment out of everyone, not just the consumers of the product, but uh, the staff in the restaurant, um, just uh, it's amazing to have the conversations with the, the staff that will tell me, oh, these people drop in from this state, and they, they get legitimately excited um, that so many people from all over are coming in. So um, I know that's kind of off course of what you asked me, but uh, oh. I do uh, like to mix it up occasionally. So um, it's probably been about every three months I try and throw in a completely different style uh, than anything we've done. So um, I've done a Czech Pilsner before, which I absolutely loved. I would love to do more often, um, which I'm hoping with the new equipment I'll be able to make it more often than I have since I've only made it once. But uh, I actually lagered it for two and a half months, um, so I can't really eat up that much tank time with when we're yeah. so limited as we are right now. Um, so that's one I've done. I've done a... Uh, what's a London brown ale? So it was a historical style brown ale. Um, nice. I, I did a clean saison with the homebrew club that I was a part of prior to the brewery, uh, which was SCL Hops Homebrew Club. And I'm trying to think. Uh, we typically always have uh, our porter on, um, and that's a recipe that's very dear to me because that was uh, one of the first recipes that I developed. Uh, as a homebrewer, so uh, it was kind of my first uh, obsession of trying to make the best porter that I could make. So that one will always stand out to me. Uh, same thing with Fallen Flag. I mean, Fallen Flag was the the IPA recipe that I worked for years to try and hone in to get to be what it is today. Well, I can tell you that I've had Fallen Flag, and it is fan-frickin-tastic, so I appreciate that. I do. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> the work that you're. I appreciate the work you're doing there. There outside of St. Louis. Um, so I guess you know since it's a it's a it's a really great beer that I've had and it's actually been recently. Um, 
maybe kind of give us a, maybe a, a you know one or two one or two beers that you've had recently that have just kind of blown you away. Um, let's see. Uh, so I would have to say. Um, so I was actually down in Florida for civil societies. Uh, anniversary party. So they had their second anniversary party. Uh, and I got the the privilege to hang out with some of the guys from and gals from uh, Equilibrium. Um, so I got to try some of their IPAs, and uh, I thought they were absolutely fantastic. Um, and just uh, the overall uh, mentality of them was very similar to mine, it seemed, as a brewery. So um, enjoying their beers, uh, I thought they, they stood out really good uh, to me as far as when I was down there for that festival. Uh, outside of that, I'm a huge uh, Lambic fan, so uh, anytime I get oh, to boy. try Lambic. So I just recently brewed a collab beer with uh, Mothers in Springfield, actually prior to the festival this weekend, and I got to have um, some fresh buffoons. Uh, so. Uh, I'll say that that stands out to me too because that's uh, probably my number one beer fresh. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I appreciate that, and I can hear uh, I can hear Chris kind of mumbling and yearning in the background because he's our uh, <laughs> not only is our re- he's our resident historian, but he's also our resident Lambic nerd. So I know he's yeah, excited I'm, to hear, uh, you, hear you say that. Uh, if you look at the beers I have in my house, they're uh, probably ninety percent Lambic. So uh, I, awesome. I did a good job of collecting stouts for a long time and then realized I wasn't there. a huge fan of stouts anymore. So I, I converted them as best as I could into Lambic. So I have a, yeah, a nice the, uh, collection I've acquired. Yeah, the uh, the palette seems to be ever-changing. Sometimes it, as the... Uh, you know, as the seasons change, then also sometimes as the things become cool or not cool, you know, in the brewing world. So, um, for sure, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, we'd like to maybe move on to our next topic, which we kind of get in. We're going to start talking about hops a little bit. Um, and if, sure. if you've got another maybe five minutes or so, maybe you can let us pick your brain. Um, and, and it's actually, it'll be pretty straightforward, I think. Um, but maybe kind of, um, you know, Talk to maybe if you can kind of give us some, some insight and, and some, you know, hops that used to be sexy, are they still useful? And then kind of what are the, the new or sexy hops that, that you're, you're seeing available now? Sure. Um, so if you're talking about old hops such as probably like Centennial and Cascade um, is what I would assume you're referring to, um, which I think are both very much useful still. Uh, you don't see a whole lot of it used in, like, a Northeast-style IPAs, but uh, I don't think that means you can't use them. Um, I'm just not so sure they would stand on their own uh, within those beers. Um, as far as new varieties, um, I would say, like, your Eldorados are starting to pick up, which a lot of places are starting to use Eldorado. Um, there's there's some other experimental hops I've messed around with a little bit, uh, Brew Dash One being one of them, uh, which was yeah. very Eldorado-like. Uh, reminded me a lot of Eldorado. Uh, it actually reminded me of. It kind of brought me back to some childhood memories with. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember Shark Bites. So it's like <laughs> a fruit, yeah. fruit snack Shark Bites. So this hop smells 
like the what I remember the flavor of the the opaque white shark in the package. Yeah. Was. Yeah. So like whenever I made this beer, I'm like, man, this smells like something I've had before, <laughs> and it took me like I think I smelled it uncontrollably for 20 minutes trying to figure out what the what the hell I was remembering out of it, and that's what my brain ended up. Uh, picking up on so it's kind of a joke amongst us at the brewery we would just call it the the white shark beer that's awesome but, uh, that's awesome coconut shark um I, I always try and pull in new hops just to kind of try them i do do a uh like a single hop beer variety uh, of ipas so um i do that to not only for my own reference of oh this is what i get out of this hop but it also i think it's cool for the customers to realize oh this is what this hop tastes like i hope they look at it that way i really don't know um i mean they won't make for as complex of a beer but uh, i think it gives you a good understanding of what a hop can bring to the table um so i have the, the next one i have planned to try out which is a hop i've never used is a australian hop called uh, enigma Mm. So I actually got some of those, and I'm going to give it a shot. I actually just made up a label and sent it over for approval before uh, calling in tonight. So I'll probably awesome. brew it within the next week or so. Oh, I'm sure we're uh, I'm sure we're all looking forward to that. One. So uh, certainly appreciate the insight. I think uh, Mr. Butler's got a got a question for you regarding some hops. Go ahead, Butler. Uh, yeah, just. Uh... You know, I've done some home brewing a little bit, and there are hops that I prefer. I'm still, I'm still, I guess, old school in the sense that Citra is probably always going to be king for me. Um, I like the new stuff. Which one? Citra. Uh, okay. Citra. I mean, Zombie Dust and Citra Sunshine. Citra Definitely. Sunshine clone was one of the first clone beers I ever brewed, and um, but there are some hops that I absolutely cannot stand, and I can pick them out a mile away, whether it's sensitivity to certain things um my biggest being equinox it always comes out as green peppers for me um is there any hop that you just really don't like or don't like working with or you know for for your style you typically brew um uh for a long time i did not care for centennial um the only the only Real forward centennial beer that I actually enjoyed was Two Hearted, um, which mm. is kind of a whole nother breed because I'm pretty yeah. sure Bell's gets all the best centennial. Um, <laughs> just because Two Hearted is such a damn good beer, and it's like I don't like mm-hmm. centennial, but I love this beer, so it, it doesn't make much sense. Um, but I'm trying to think of a hop I've used lately that I'd don't necessarily care for. Um, I have some hops that I have a, a hell of a time perceiving anymore, uh, which is real strange. And Citra is actually one of them. Uh, same thing with Simcoe. So I have a very hard time smelling and tasting those hops anymore. So I don't know if it's a bit of palate fatigue um, or, or what it is. So I work with Citra a lot. I mean, a lot of our beers have Citra in it. And I find myself wanting to pull away from citrus since I don't perceive them. And I have to kind of sit myself down and be like, hey, everybody else loves this hop. Probably shouldn't change what I'm doing because of that. So um, 
it's just kind of a weird situation to get into, and I'm not sure if it's I just have my nose in hot bags too often or, or what I what I'm doing. So yeah, um, you've but, gone nose uh, blind to the best. It's sad. Pretty much, <laughs> and uh, it sucks. <laughs> I don't get to enjoy the beers as much as I used to. But what I have found is uh, a nice low ABV dark beer typically resets my palate for at least a the first few drinks of the, the next IPA that I have. Sure. So that's sure. kind well, of my that. trick of, that's kind of my trick of uh, trying out some of the beers that we make and making sure they are what I remember them being. Gotcha. Um, Chad's going to follow up with you. Thanks for answering that, man. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll start. Uh, maybe we can expand here. The, uh, you know, cause it, Jeff did his favorite and then his, his worst. I'll say my favorite is uh, Citra and Galaxy. Um, Joey met my two cats named Citra and Galaxy. We named them after our two favorite hops in this house. And uh, I would say that my two not least favorite would be Cascader Chinook hops. Um, the spiciness in the hops just, just doesn't uh, do it for me. Um, now paired with, uh, you know, if they're, if they're paired with other hops, you know, most, you know, mostly I can tolerate it, but if it's just a, a hop in Cascader Chinook, I won't, uh, I won't, uh, I'll pass. But who am I kidding? I love beer. I love all hops. So I'll still drink it. I'm not going to not buy it. It's beer. So, um, but uh, Joey, what about you? Yeah, I, uh, I think I echo at least one of your sentiments. It's kind of hard to pick a favorite, and it's also kind of hard to hate a hop. Um, I know for me, I've always been quite fond of Galaxy, and uh, Mosaic is one of those that I've um, I've been trying to focus on recently, and I'm actually very, very thankful that uh, the fine folks at Weldworks Brewing Company is dropping a uh, Mosaic Basic Bits tomorrow, so I hope I'll get to try that on Saturday. And uh, once I get that all sorted out, maybe I'll let you guys know how that is. Well, next week, next week's podcast. So, Jeff, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. We certainly appreciate your time, your insights, um, and, and thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. Jeff, um, you welcome. have yourself a great night. And again, thank you again. Go, Chad. Jeff, you're welcome to listen. I'm just I can turn you over so that if you wanted to stay on the phone, um, you'll listen. But uh, I'll cut you from live, and then if you do, if you happen to be listening and you want to uh, comment on any of our topics, uh, just let me know, and I'll bring you back. Sure. But uh, I echo what uh, Chris and Joey have said. Uh, we, uh, we, do welcome, we do thank you for coming on and, and sharing uh, some of your philosophy and, and your thoughts and, you know, looking to spread love and the, uh, the word of your brewery. Not that it really needs us to do that because – you know, you're, you're so highly spoken already. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thank you, guys. Well, that was absolutely killer. Um, for the uh, the first formal one we've done of these, that went really, really, really well. Um, I don't want to take any I, – I was going to say, I don't want to take any, anything away from Kirby and Monkey Town – um, but, uh, we'll definitely, when we're ready to do an hour and a half or two hour long episode, we can bring Kirby back. We can focus on him. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, it was, Kirby, it was, Kirby and Jeff, was, I think we we could do this. Yeah, we could, you know, mm-hmm. it could be like, could be, it could be kismet, right? We might, we, we might end up with like a, uh, 
a nice little collaboration or something that comes from You it. know Kirby's listening right now. He's going to call in upset that you said that Jeff was better. <laughs> I'm not saying Jeff was better. I'm just yep, saying. Kirby, Joey doesn't love you as much as I do. I'm just saying it was a little bit more structured. That's all. I'm just saying it was a little bit more structured. <laughs> speaking Speaking of structure, speaking of structure, the next question that we have has to deal with tipping etiquette at bottle releases. This one comes in from Scott Schraw. Um, I'm not going to quite take this one yet, but I will. Um, I know that uh, that I know that Mr. Stevenson goes to quite a few bottle releases. So, Chad, what's your take on tipping etiquette? Or I can throw it to Chris if you're yeah. I, I think he's the, fielding a call. Board. Um, Good deal. Good well, deal. What, you, what do you think, Chris? Go ahead. If you've been in any of those bottle lines, you know they're dealing with jerks and uh, rough crowds and heat and temperatures and weather and blah, 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 all day long. And I always still have a couple bucks, uh, <clears throat> especially the all-cash line. It's just easy. Like, if it's, I don't know, $25, give them a 20 and a 10 and move on or something like that. You know, it's I've had plenty of yeah. beer in the line. I've had a good time most of the time, unless my phone has gotten stepped on. But I'll chunk that to the core. Um, yeah, so I, I usually tip. Um, now, at the same time, being in the service industry, if I get bad service or if they're rude or, um, yeah, I mean, there are times when I certainly won't. Uh, but as a standard, any type of service industry job uh yeah i'm gonna tip uh it's just kind of my nature uh, so i may not be the best person to answer the question but uh yeah uh basically people are going to work themselves out of a tip for me not into a tip so that's why I go. chad you uh chad you want to jump in on this tipping and bottle lines yeah I and sorry, I was uh, I was screening a caller there for a second, so I I don't know what what your stance is, uh, Chris. But uh, you know, I mean, I'll tip them, especially if there's a poor involved. Definitely, I'm going to tip them. These guys are you know putting out there. You know, they're they're working hard. They're trying to get you through the line. Um, if it's very efficient and it's not a cluster, you know, definitely tip them. These guys are. You know, some of them are in on their days off to help with the bottle release. I know I went and, uh, you know, uh, Barntown had their bottle release, and I went and helped. And, you know, I I saw how hard the staff worked that release day and surely hope they got tipped because they bust their butts. You know, Chris, you're in a testament. It's a a hard work behind the scenes and and getting everything ready. So certainly a couple dollars, you know, goes a long way to show appreciation. you know, definitely. I, I, I tip, you know, I don't tip what I would like at a restaurant for a waiter that's, you know, constantly waiting on me and making sure my service is good. But, you know, an extra dollar or two, you know, I'm really not going to feel that when I'm buying hundreds of dollars in beer already. Yeah, I know for me, it's um, well, it, it, almost every bottle release I go to, you know, the, the, the bottle costs as well as the kind of folds into the uh the draft cost i always have one or two while i'm there um so i've just made it a habit that i don't doesn't matter what my tab is it's always 20 25 um i figure if it's six bottles and it's say it's 100 bucks and there's 20 dollars worth of 
worth of um, you know draft pours on top of it, leaving something like you know between twenty five, right around twenty five bucks seems seems relatively appropriate. Um, what do you think, Chad? Yeah, I mean, I guess going back, let me amend. You brought up a good point. Now, if there's draft pours, you know, I've been to releases where there aren't. And so what I was saying was for the, you know, it's just a line. I'm coming through the line. I'm getting a couple of bottles. I'm leaving a couple of bucks. But if there's draft pours and they're waiting on me, you know, I get my bottles, they're going to wait on me and, and maybe fill crawlers for me or give me draft pours, yeah, it's standard. For me, standard restaurant rules apply. You know, you you, you guys are – Busting your butt, not only doing draft pours, you're doing the bottle release, you're getting the, you know, the the 25%. Awesome. Uh, I'm definitely right there with you. Our last topic has to do with the Red Lobster Mafia. What the hell is the Red Lobster Mafia? This one comes in from Waldo Premiak. I think that's how you pronounce his last <laughs> name. At least that's how I'm going to pronounce it. What the hell is the Red Lobster Mafia, Chad? Um. So I remember this post, and he's posted quite a bit and gets a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of comments and likes on his pictures. But I, somehow I think Waldo found a Red Lobster um, beer glass <laughs> at like a Goodwill, and he drinks out of that thing, and that thing is simply amazing. I'm very envious of his glass, but or you know, but I don't know how much on glass we are. But Joey, you know, that is like the pinnacle of of glass. I mean, I need me a red lobster glass that, that is like the king of all glassware for me. You know, I mean, as, as a glassware whore, it's definitely um, one that's currently not in my collection, but uh, there was a red lobster up the street and I think it, I think it folded recently. So I might, I might need to start hitting up my local Goodwills or, or something like that. And see if those have uh, began to flood the market. Apparently, Mr. Mr. Butler is a part of the uh, Red Lobster Mafia. So, so Mr. Butler, what? Well, number one, what does it feel like? And number two, tell us a little bit more. Uh, well, I've I've had the glass for a couple of years. Um, my my buddy gave it to me. He said he he bought a pair and he didn't need two because they were kind of weird. Um, I absolutely love it. it. It's a very utilitarian. It's kind of an SUV of glasses. It can do. A little bit of everything, and it works for chugs and stouts and IPAs. It's super thick glass, like you would expect for a uh, high volume restaurant, because they don't want breakage. Um, heavily weighted at the bottom, so I've actually dropped it on my concrete floor, and it's um, it survived. Um, but I actually, uh, for a long time, I didn't know it was a thing. The Red Lobster Mafia, and then. Um, Waldo and then Justin Wolbert, who is also in our in our little clan, um, they kept nice. every time I'd post a picture, they would they would hashtag RLM, and I didn't know what that even meant really. <laughs> and then last week, last week I got uh, I got invited to the group, and then today I got approved. <laughs> so I don't even know what that, I don't even know what that means. Like uh, other than I'm. I guess I've made it, guys, and I'm sorry that you're um, you're pleased now. I don't know. <laughs> you are you are in a very very exclusive company. The way that it sounds, um, I'm going to find one, and then you have to let me know how I submit my uh, my resume to be a part of that that very exclusive mafia. Um, I certainly appreciate it. I do. 
Um, I think we're at about the end of our set list. Um, I had two things that I was thinking of during tonight's uh, podcast that I kind of wanted to uh, to mention before we tie this one off. Um, I ended up opening a second beer, and it was it's called Boat, another session ale from Carton. Um, it's actually quite fine. The weird thing is it smells like tartar sauce. Um, and it's not like any – it smells like the tartar sauce my mom used to make, which was like – almost equal parts miracle whip and equal parts like sweet relish um tastes fine but the smell is just a little coastal kind of odd if that description though i'm I'm not gonna lie that description of your beer really uh i don't know it intrigued me you would think that would be one that turns (laughs) me off of a beer but i'm very very intrigued now that i've never had a beer smell like what tartar uh, let's talk yeah. offline on that one. I want to hear hear more about this. No nice. worries, brother. No worries at all. No worries at all. And uh, apparently, Mr. Butler's letting me know that uh, our uh, our friend Jeff Hardesty, the head brewer at Narrow Gauge, the one who was on earlier tonight, is is apparently a member of the Red Lobster Mafia as well. So um, I I am actually experiencing FOMO right now, fear of missing out. So I got to figure out where the hell to find one of these glasses so I can be cool again. <laughs> Be very very in search cool of um, in search of in search sure. of it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna post up <laughs> next. I'm gonna post up next. There's no doubt about that. The set the second thing I want I was thinking of during the night's broadcast or podcast that I want to kind of mention is that um, um within the last couple of days the um the beer that that uh, the thirty some odd of us collaborated on to uh, with with Prairie Artisan Ales um, hashtag not my beer. Um, is the name of the beer is, has been starting starting to make its way across the country into those thirty some odd people's porches. Um, I know mine arrived tonight, and I'm actually going to be opening it up after the show. And uh, I'm look I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, and uh, so I will get a chance to open that up here. I'm going to sit here in about five minutes or so. It's a, a I'm, I'm su- a supposedly very wonderful vanilla double coconut imperial style aged in Cruzan rum barrels. <laughs> Um, so I'm, uh, right. I know, I think, I think Butler didn't, did you got yours yesterday and did you chug one last night? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to have that one. I'm going to trade a couple, um, and then hold the rest hostage for massive dollar bucks and or limit. Um, because coconut sucks. I was, uh, I was railroaded. The system was rigged. I hate people. Um, next time I'm buying the whole barrel myself, <laughs> and yeah. I'm and I'm gonna sell it. I'm gonna sell half of it for uh, what I paid for it because I'm gonna become um, I'm gonna become a bad guy. I'm gonna switch. <clears throat> Go to the I, uh, I'm, I can appreciate that. I'm, de- <laughs> I'm definitely envious, you guys. Me and uh, Rick split split our allotment, so I think Rick is, should be getting his soon, and looking forward to those coming my way. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of coconut. I'm complete opposite of Butler on pretty much everything, so um, love coconut, and I'm hoping that uh, that it uh, that it, it, it doesn't disappoint. Joey, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your review as well. Well, hopefully it doesn't smell of tartar sauce, but I can tell you that if I do, when I do open this one, um, uh, and I and I actually, if it really is as fantastic as it seems, I will probably be sending all of my lambic to um, Siloam Springs, Arkansas, 
and and hopes of getting Chris <laughs> Butler's allotment. Getting Chris Butler's yeah. allotment. Um, yeah. Not Alabama, so, Steve Espara, if you're going to ever listen to We might get a got a shout out to Mr. Goodhands. Go ahead, Chad. I'll, I'll put it up against my last uh, – I'll we'll bring it up to Assassin Day. I'll put it, put that one up against my last uh, uh, Pulpit Rock release and uh, Barrel Age Sticker Shock and see what, uh, what it, how it fares. Hey, I, I yeah, well uh, – good. Good, Chris. Uh, honest review. Um, I feel like doing double coconut was a way for Prairie to save money because – how are we to know they actually did double of what we were, you know, if they were going to say one coconut allotment is 10 pounds, who's to say that double coconut didn't get us 15? It was not super right. coconut forward, especially with vanilla on it. You would think it would be super vanilla and, and, and really crazy forward. Now, granted, I drank my own in about two seconds, but being, That's true. Um, That's true. being sensitive to coconut, I didn't really get a whole lot, and I feel like doing – Double of one ingredient is a, was just Prairie going, ha, 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 cool. Uh, we're going to save some money on this one um, because it, could it be. didn't pop. Um, but, you know, and I, I would definitely say if it was overly coconutty because, hey, you know, yeah. I could trade it for more. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I can appreciate that. But I also like to think for this type of thing, you know, there being, what, 60 barrels, or whatnot, and this being essentially an exclusive thing to their membership program, their Prairie Dogs, that they wouldn't necessarily, um, you know, try to call pull one over on on their membership program. Uh, it, you know, I, I know horrible things happen, um, but I would kind of sort of hope that that was not the case. Um, right. So I we'll see. I, have, I don't but, think that happened. I would hope. I would hope not. And, and to Chad's point. Um, I was actually kind enough to have barrel aged sticker shock. Uh, Chad sent me a bottle, so I'm going to. Uh, I didn't actually didn't even think about that, but once I pop this one open here in a little bit, I will. Uh, I'll let you know how that compares, brother. Um, if what do you guys think? Like, you want you guys want to tie this off? Yeah. And, and, on we, a, and on a high note, go ahead, Chad. No, no, I was just going to say I think we, you know, we had a really good uh, episode and. Uh, you know, not that all episodes are good, but we, we were able to bring in, you know, a well-known uh, brewer, and we had a lot of good discussions here. I learned a lot, and, you know, that's the goal of the podcast, especially a beer podcast, to learn about beer. So uh, I had fun. Definitely was a lot of fun. What do you think, Mr. Butler? Uh, I think Jeff was a great uh, addition to the show this evening. Um He's a pretty smart cat from uh, talking to him on Friday in person as well. Uh, clearly, uh, he doesn't know math very well, uh, which sucks for him because he keeps thinking that his beer is not going to sell out in a day or whatever, but it's, it's going to. And I hate to tell you this, Jeff, but um, your beers aren't extras anymore, bud. They're um, they're actually being sought after. So um, prepare for that madness, uh, but all the best wishes to you. You're killing it. Um, like I said, you, uh, you you made a lot of ripples in the Arkansas scene. So um, we wish you all the success. Uh, Chad, great show. Good to have you back. And, uh, yeah, enjoy success. You know me. All I have to tell you all is to continue just to be well. Cheers. All right, that's that's it for us, Drama Freeland. Uh, we're we're going to end this show. Thank you for listening. 
As always, you can leave comments on our podcast page in the group. If you're in the group with us, uh, send us messages. Um, Chad Stevenson, we got Joey Hamilton and Chris Butler. Um, we're, we, we, we welcome any ideas or content uh, requests that you have. Um, thank you for listening. We are out. Welcome to the Drama Free Podcast. Save the drama for your mama. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,000. 178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.